Got to catch the game on the go? No worries. Metro has you covered. Switch to Metro and get coast-to-coast coverage on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Now you'll catch all the action almost anywhere you go. Plus, you'll save a ton over what you're paying with Verizon or the other big guy. Switch to Metro and get on a big network for way less. Coverage may vary, so please see the store for details. Now's the time to score big with Metro. Switch and get on a big network for way less. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Philly with Sixers GM Elton Brand. Elton, how are you? Good, Woj. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. So we're talking here a few hours before the Sixers-Warriors game. Uh, we're in here with ABC, National TV. Elton, what's the different feeling from what it feels like to prepare for a big game and the anticipation when you're playing versus in this job where now like you're responsible for everything else and everyone instead of just thinking about yourself getting ready to play, right? No, great point. First of all, let me just say that I'm trying to stay out of trouble and not get any headlines. <laughs> So I might be boring. I might be the most boring show you had since uh, we'll see. Daryl we'll Morey see. was on here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl's always walking the line of tampering. I'm like, there's always like, you know, uh, Daryl's always saying some player's name that's going to uh, turn it into like a $100,000 podcast, but it's fine. No, he's a good guy. We go back and forth on second round swap rights and all types of stuff. But anyway, it's tough. Daryl will wear you down on that oh, stuff, right? Good, he just wants good. you to give in, give up, and just it. agree to whatever, I learn, right? I learn. I yeah. learn. It, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I'm responsible for coaches, players, you know, my staff, preparation. Like, I just came from the Villanova-Butler game. You know, I'm like, all of it. And then you get to the game, and you're actually helpless <laughs> to the actual outcome outside of trading for Tobias or trading for Tim, Jimmy Butler or, you know, signing a player or drafting a player. But you're helpless. You're sitting there, like, chomping at the bit, wishing you could, yeah. you know, dive on the floor, get a loose rebound, being the next player. Well, that's the thing, too. You know, even players who go into coaching say, I can't impact the game the way I did as a player, as a coach. But on a game night as a coach, you can impact it. You really can't impact it <laughs> as a GM. You're standing in a tunnel. You're watching. You've got ideas. There's things you want to say to Brett or you want to say to a player, but but you can't. Absolutely not. Even substitutions, I'm looking out there. Even, you know, plays. like whatever. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a true helpless feeling. You know, you mentioned – and I don't think people realize it till they get in the big seat. Like Sam Presti always has a line about this. And he said, the title of the job is accurate. General manager. Like general being the key word. You have to be involved in everything. And like, I don't think people understand like the business side and sponsors. And how much of this job is when you think about, well, I'll be scouting or I'll be watching tape or I'll be sitting down with a player to talk that you have to fight for your time when it's, hey, this sponsor wants to talk to you, this potential advertiser, that there's more of that than probably you realize till you get here. Oh, much more of that. And, you know, managing an office, managing people, you know, there's different ideas, there's different relationships, office dynamics that you have to manage outside of the scouting, outside of the sponsorships, outside of having, like, the business operations, making sure that the team is profitable, and then you have the players and the coaching staff. So absolutely, absolutely. How has it been, Elton, to walk into a front office where there was a very experienced group in place, other guys in the group interviewed for the job, and you had been in the front office. You would run the G League team. 
Uh, you would literally come out of your playing career and into the front office. But everyone there has more experience doing the day-to-day of this job. And now you're in charge of everybody. Yeah, and that was interesting. So, you know, at the offset, it's human nature. We're competing for the same job. And once I got it, it's like, okay, let's let's fall in line. I'm I'm the head. I'm out here. I'm here. But everyone's respectful. Ned Cohen, you know Ned. Mark Eversley, long time, been in the NBA 20 years. Alex Rucker. And it's a great group. So when I stepped up to even interview for the job, I had them on my mind. And I looked at it like I could do another three, four years, VP, cushy, G League. I enjoyed the G League. I enjoyed going to Sioux Falls in the snow in an old rental car. Like, that was fun for me. Why? It's just pure. It reminded me of AAU. It reminded me of, like, the actual pure love of basketball that I have, of the game. Um, You know, it wasn't big crowds. Some of them. Actually, Sioux Falls did have a big crowd. But it wasn't big crowds. You know, it wasn't big money. You know, the popcorn's kind of stale. It's just, right. It just was what it was. I'm in these small cities. Like I said, rent a car, snow, slap, but I loved it. So I could have coasted three, four more years and then took my time and then went for a general manager spot. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted my group, Mark Eversley, like I said, Alex Rucker, Ned Cohen, to feel safe. The analytics department, our athlete care. Because someone comes in, it's off with their heads, as it right. should be. They want to bring in their own people that they trust and know. So I'm looking at this group. That Sam brought in, Brian Colangelo brought in most of them, mm-hmm. and, and they're doing a great job. And I felt if I could rise to the occasion and have, let them be, let them be safe, let them have a career, I should do that. When you got offered the job, you accept the job and you come back to work the next day or that day. Is there one, do you get everybody together and say that to them or do you do it individually with them? Um, speak to them as a group and then individual. Um, First of all, when it was really, I was offered the job, I was, you know, it was surreal. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, all right, I have the job. You know, I talked with David Falk, um, my longtime agent, mentor and friend for a while. Um, and we weren't sure if I'd get the true opportunity to get the job. And then if I did get it, what would it look like? So as many conversations, you get each department, you speak to each department and say, hey, I'm here now. Um, my door is open which is really not because I'm busy, but you tell them not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, let's let's keep rolling the ship because what you've built, I was a part of it. I was a part of the 10-win team when, yeah. when we put the banner up so we weren't the worst team. You know, I was a part <laughs> of that kind of thing. So, um, And Brett Brown, he, he was great building this environment. That's talking about the people under you. The ownership group over you, there's a few owners, several owners, they're all pretty involved in different ways. They all they have a voice. They're at the games. It's like you're sort of a sandwich here between you've got the, a very strong group beneath you, around you, and then over you. There are a lot of voices and a lot of people every day to – when you're trying to vet decisions out, it's a different dynamic than most places. Yeah, it, it seems like it from the outside. You know, I'm, I'm talking to my peers, mm-hmm. you know, other GMs and presidents that I've known, Neil O'Shea's and, um, you know, even – uh, you know, Danny Ferry, he's back at the helm with New Orleans and Danny, you know, I'm just talking to, to different groups, different GMs. It's not as dissimilar as you would think. And Josh Harris, Dave Blitzer, mm-hmm. those are the main ones. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, like, that's what I discuss with. That's why I have my um, managing partner meet, meetings with every Monday. That's who I b- present the decks to. And, and they're on board. Like, they're great. They're great. Most of the job, and you, you've been around it here long enough, it's a lot of sacrifice bunt, 
infield, <laughs> ground ball. It's not like home run deal, home run deal. That's usually not most of the job, but that's been your season, <laughs> right? Like you walked into something that's – you could be a GM for 15 years. You may not have another year where you make two trades as significant as the two you made this year. Absolutely. I, I agree. I agree. And it, and it was hard. Like those deals are hard to make. You know, you have to have trust. Because, you know, there's these things called sources that ESPN and these other <laughs> <laughs> platforms get and, and they can shoot down a deal. The locker rooms hear about it and it's out and now the deal's over and you have disgruntled players. It, it's very tough to make those deals. And I know that. So, you know, with me, you have to do the bunts, the sacrifice flies. Like I understand that. But for me, my job, as I see it, is, is to be the best and to utilize this time and this window, health talent to try to get as far as we can in the playoffs and that's the way i look at it i I understand from another aspect another gm wanting job security might take it a little light Mm -hmm. grow into it get two years under your belt but but me i'm I'm going for it the decision to make the tobias harris trade to bring in a fourth player could you have done that trade if tobias's personality and disposition was any different than it is that if he was a difficult guy, if he was a volatile guy at all, could you have brought a fourth player into this that was that was this unique to not just his skill set, but who he is as a person, a teammate? Absolutely, yeah. It, it was he's a high character person, high character locker room person, and his skill set is is off the charts. So once we have Joel Embiid, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, superstars, it's who do you add to that locker room that you'll have cohesion? And that was one of the things that I said, I could bridge the gap from ownership to the players. I can identify those type of players that we can add to a locker room to help us win and help us coexist. Cause if he was a difficult player, this thing would have imploded as you see with other teams possibly going on. Support for the Woj podcast comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website, choose a template you love, and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to the Woj Pod. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website, so create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com slash Woj, W-O-J, to get 10% off. Trying to figure out especially in a year where you have two of those guys headed into free agency and I want to say you're trying them out. You traded for them because they're all-star level players, but you are trying to figure out the chemistry and what works and what's sustainable, not just financially, but personality wise all in the locker room. They're doing the same with you. Does it feel like that's a secondary thing going on beyond trying to win, advance, do all that? that there's this feeling out between all of you about what's the best version of all of this going forward? Because sometimes what you imagine it's going to be like doesn't turn out to be. There's a filling out process for sure. 
players, today's players especially, want to feel happy. They want to be happy in their situation, whether they're star and they want the ball or living conditions or outside business ventures. They want to be happy and they have the power to be happy. So that's forefront on their minds. Winning, of course, um, relationships with coach and the city and family. But today's player absolutely has the power to be happy. Elton, are there five happy players in this league right now? Never mind in Philly. <laughs> I, I mean it like you're right. But who's happy? They're, they think they want to be happy, right? They think that it's, you know the grass is always greener. Uh, one of Mike's teammates said, yeah, I thought the grass was greener, but they didn't even mow the lawn on this side. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a real thing. And it's to me, it's as much anything. And you learn it in reporting on what free agency might look like or what something might look like a year from now. And somebody will say to you, hey, this guy and this team, I'm not talking about you, I'm not talking about the Sixers, but this star and this team, he's definitely leaving. He's out. He's told everybody. I'm like, I absolutely believe he's telling everybody he's leaving. And I believe he believes he's leaving. I also know by like Wednesday of next week, he's going to have two good games and something else. And it's going to change. And then it's going to change 150 times between now and July 1. And you can't ride the roller. It's And it's like... Anybody who's got a tough decision to make in life knows the feeling. You change your mind. You're comparing great options. They're all really good options. Even the worst option in the NBA is still a really good option, right? Absolutely. And so there's this roller coaster, though, that exists on teams. And I think more than ever, right, Elton? Like, you have to keep it from tearing apart the talk of free agency of either who you're potentially going to get or who you might lose, how that impacts the group you have, it is tearing teams apart all over the league. It's a thing I sense guys in your job have to manage more of every day than they than we've ever had to do in this league. Every day. Every day. And it was a great point. Like it changes. It's like the stock market. You watch it every day, you see those fluctuations, you'll be sick. You have to wait wait it out and just present yourself the best way and Hopefully it works out for both sides because how a player feels today, they may not feel after a great playoff run and an extra year <laughs> of the max right. added on. It's like, okay, we made it work. I love it here. Um, or whatever the, the problem was, if it was um, the strength coach. Like, I, I don't like the strength coach guy. But then um, you know, the relationship changes. The strength coach came around. They had a conversation. They were on the same page. So it can change and it is breaking up the fabric of a lot of teams because, you know, it, it was always, I always agreed with the player being a player so long, like, oh, the organizations don't have loyalty for the players. They can trade them right away and, and that's business. But when a player leaves, they're disloyal. You spent a good part of your career with the Donald Sterling Clippers and you know the complete other side of what a bad organization is, what a bad owner is, what a bad per, like everything they were. And I would imagine, and you were coming from a Duke program that was seen as, you know, certainly um, in the college basketball world was at the top of, of how things are run. Does the influence of how you think about your playing experience, and the leagues change a lot, like the power of the players, I think it's always existed. I think it exists even more now because for a lot of ways, the contracts are shorter and players are keeping that. But did your time with the Clippers especially sort of color how an organization should be run and, and, and what the right balance is of player and organization. I've rewinded even a step, Woj. I started with the Bulls, one year removed from Michael Jordan in the heyday 
and six rings and championships. Number one pick. I go into the Berto Center, which practice facility, massage therapists, your own track, your own, you know, chef back then that you, you just seeing teams catch up, you know, in the last decade. Like I walk into that, first of all, and the, you know, the mantra was players don't win championship organizations do. And as a player, it's like, and that's the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. But I understand now being in the organization, kind of what, you know, the late great Jerry Krause RIP meant. Mm-hmm. It's like he's putting the players in position. He's putting the coach in position. They're getting the Berto Center. They're making everyone feel as comfortable as they can. They're getting a Dennis Rodman or, you know, trading away a Oakley and getting a grant, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So I understand from that model. Then you get to the Clippers and it's Eric Pajkowski, $12 million, four years or three years, the highest tenured contract ever. And mm-hmm. it's not about winning at that time. Um, and then they got a taste of winning and it, it changed a little bit, but I did definitely see the two sides. We went from the Berto Center, state of the art, top practice facility in, in the league to mm-hmm. a junior college. In Inglewood with nice people. It was, it yeah. was cool. We had two full courts, but a junior college. We were practicing at a junior college. What was your worst moment with Donald Sterling? So being so young, some of it and just not educated on what was actually happening. But, um, you know, there was incidents where, you know, women would be in the locker room and, you know, Elgin Baylor would have to step in and, and say, Hey, you know, like, you know, things like that. And, that's one of the headlines that well, I did Donald not want. Donald would bring his women into – he'd bring them into take a look around the locker room after a game. I mean, right. that's what would go on in there. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's I, unbelievable when you think about it, and, it's, and it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. And I signed with Miami. Yep. And they matched, and there was no way they're matching. The Clippers never match. Like, it's – you know, he doesn't spend money. There was no floor. There wasn't an amount that you had to spend. So, you know, and then he got to that number, and I, I was – I was amazed. So tell me, it's restricted free agency, and you're with the Clippers, and they could have had you for less money the year before. They didn't want to do the extension. They always had high picks. A lot of good players came in. They never paid to keep them. And here you were. You're going down to see Pat Riley. It's South Beach. It's the heat. I'm sure your, I don't know, 24, 48-hour visit there made you feel like, I don't ever want to get on a plane to go back to the Clippers, (laughs) right? Yep. No, I was, uh, you know, overlooking the ocean. I'm in the Mandarin and, <laughs> you know, they, I left my belt, of course, the designer belts delivered to my door in <laughs> less than eight minutes. It, it was, it, it was a special. That, that was, as you see, you know, the championships they've won since. It was a great organization. But at the time, it's like, okay, as you alluded to earlier, even though that was the worst franchise at that time, which is, you know, not now, it still was an NBA organization, NBA franchise in LA. When you signed that offer sheet with Miami, were you just, were you and David Falk pretty convinced Donald just won't match this? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Yeah. It was, it wasn't even a, anything to think about. It's like, ah, oh, we're going to Miami. <laughs> it's, it was done. Like we didn't think he'd match and then he did. Did you have to, in that interim time, say to him, don't match it. I don't want to be here. Or did you just think we don't even have to do that with this one? See, that's the thing. Like I said, we were so young. I'm mm-hmm. with Lamar Odom and Andre Miller and all of a candy passed on his deal. They yeah. offered him an extension that he didn't take. It didn't work out as well for him. Quentin Richardson, Darius Mott, like these are my friends and we're all the same age. 
I was with the Bulls and it was a chance that I was going to get traded. David calls me and says, hey, you can go to the Wizards with Michael Jordan or you can go to the Clippers with the number two pick then go to L.A. And, you know, Michael Jordan's intimidating. I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, either <laughs> one. But I saw the Clippers on national TV. Lamar Rodham does the bounce pass off the glass. Darius dunks it and they do the head nod and, you know, the head bump, fist bump on the head. And I'm like, that's exciting. Like, those young guys, like, if I could play with that group, I think I could build something there. Listen, guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. Well, the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash Woj, fill out a brief medical boarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. With Roman, it's really easy, so take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash Woj. That's GetRoman.com slash W-O-J for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash Woj. You played AAU ball with Lamar Odom, Ron Artest, but you were the guy from Peekskill, New York, Mm -hmm. which is... For most people who live around the New York area, Peekskill is this small town that's on the way somewhere upstate. If you're driving from Jersey or the city and you're headed upstate, you're going to go around through Peekskill. And, and it's funny, two, I don't think Hilton Armstrong was a lottery pick. Maybe he did get into the back of the lottery. But to think of two NBA big guys from Peekskill, New York, you wouldn't think of that walking down Main Street, right? You wouldn't think that. <laughs> you know, right? Peekskill, Main Street, yeah. absolutely not. You know, it was always, we always had talented ball players. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the Brickhouse family and Todd Scott and, yeah. you know, Brent Dabbs and Brent Blair and, you know, other players, but never to that level, um, to go top division one and, of course, not the pros. So, started with the Mickey Walker All-Stars, yeah. playing with an upstate team. They were further along. They were up by Albany. Albany, yep. And I see the Riverside Church. They come in with their book bags, their Nike outfits, their full sweats and hats. And it was kind of like recruiting. They're like, look, we're closer. The city was actually closer to Peekskill. We were probably, I could take the train and be into Harlem to Claremont where Riverside mm-hmm. Church was in Harlem in an hour and 15 minutes. If I took the train and, you know, if I didn't have to walk because I'd have right. to walk a lot, but if I could get a cab or take the subway, I could be to the church in an hour 15. Albany was almost two hours. Yep. We didn't practice much, but still I had to meet the team and travel. So, that was the opportunity to play against the best, play in the city, New York City, against all the top ballers. Lamar Odom, six seven at that time, point guard. Like, it wasn't fair. Like, I was an undersized, you know, around the rim, just had to work for everything. Yeah. He was so smooth and talented. And then Ron Artest, straight, true, ultimate warrior. Yeah. Like, he'd bite your ankles off to win. And we were just <laughs> so young. And we weren't even ranked highest on our team there was two guys ranked higher than us when we played in eighth ninth grade and we just worked to get better 
to be ranked top 10 and, you know, dominated camps together and things like that. So it was, it was an amazing experience for me basketball wise and changed my trajectory of, of my career for sure. What was it like traveling the way you travel in AAU, being on the vans and <laughs> the motel slash hotels with Ron, <laughs> with Lamar? What, yeah. Cause you go everywhere. You play tournaments all over the country. Oh, it was so, I didn't leave the metropolitan area. Um, New Jersey, you know, New York, mm-hmm. maybe Connecticut. Okay. Before my first airplane flight at probably 15, 14, to La Rochelle, France. France. We went to Paris and played tournament in France. And I played well, and an overseas team offered me probably maybe an eight-year contract for like 300 grand or something. And how old were you? I was like 15. <laughs> you know, they start young, like Tony right, Parker, right. Dirk, like they played So you were a sophomore in high school? Sophomore in high school. And my mom said, no, I want you to go to college. And I'm just like, you sure, you sure, mom? You know, single parent home, like yeah. never met my dad. I'm like, you sure, mom? Like this is real, 350k. Um, so we passed on a deal, but it was amazing. Like Ron, he was, he'd go like just to tell a quick story. He'd go like he was smart. Like he'd go buy like sandwich meat and save it in a cooler instead of us going to McDonald's blowing our money every day. He he was just way ahead of his time back then. You go to Duke, and I, this what I really remember about, especially when you were leaving Duke, Elton, you were the first group of players who did not stay four years, first stars at Duke who did not stay four years. And the vitriol, and I tried to find this before we sat down, I remember you responding to a Duke student. I don't know if it was, <laughs> I don't think there was Twitter then. I don't think there was. No. But there was somebody said, like, you really got attacked around there for leaving as if it was a betrayal, as if, how dare you? Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people quite remember. I think the rest of the world had changed. I think the rest of basketball, if you're going to be the number one overall pick, you're leaving college in almost every instance, except maybe Tim Duncan in the last 30, 25 years. Did you expect the response you got when you left at that time? No, because I was actually going to leave my freshman year and be one and done. And Coach K took me in office and he's like, listen, you're going to be cover of magazines. We're going to make the Final Four, and you're going to be a top three pick. Right now you're slotted 15 through 20, which was life-changing for me. So I had to go tell my mom, like, hey, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to trust Coach K. And, you know, she's like, you're going to leave me here. You could get hurt. You could do it. But I listened to to Coach, and it, it all worked out. And she was happy. I was happy. But Coach and I had this discussion the year before. He knew I was leaving. So when I decided to leave, I didn't think it'd be an email to my EDU. Like, this is email. That's Twitter what it wasn't was. It was close. an email, right? It was, it was, it, Twitter was did, did the person post your response? Is that why it got out? She That's posted what happened. It. She posted it thinking I was wrong for responding. And then everyone jumped her. Yeah. And I'm sure she's a nice woman. But yeah. at the time, she's saying, like, you don't deserve to wear the Duke blue. And I'm like, look, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. Daddy didn't pay for me to come here. And... Got a little disrespectful yeah. back and yep. signed it E brand NBA number forty two, and the rest was history. But I did get a lot of pushback for that, you know, coming from Duke and all that. Well, in the ninety nine NCAA championship game in Florida, I remember sitting courtside at that game. I thought you guys were the better team. I think you guys probably walked out of the arena that night, maybe feeling that still. But it's a one game. It's not best of seven. It's not best of three. It's it's a one-shot deal against UConn. 
as much as any game you've played in your career, is that one you relive or replay or when you see your group of guys still talk about? Still haunts me. Still haunts me. It was, you know, I remember being an Elite Eight my freshman year, jumping up and down against Kentucky, Scott Padgett and Wayne Turner, and they, they get hot. Najee Muhammad, I think, was on that team. Actually, I know was on that team. And uh, I look up, we're up 12, and I'm like, we're going to the Final Four. And it was heartbreak. So now I'm in the championship game, and it's I get a steal, and I you know I go coast to coast because I had handle back then, <laughs> finish, and then I, I have another cut it to like three, like we're in this game, we have momentum now. It's it's closing time. Trajan Langdon, where you at? Like it's <laughs> it's time to go. Will Avery, let's go. And I remember they ran like a flare for for Rip Hamilton, and I still see this play like. Seriously, like I dream of it, like I see it, and my fingertips touched it again. You know, I have these long arms. I touched it. Whoa, I touched the ball, and Rip gets it. Swap, three pointer. They go up like six, but I had another steal, and I, I I relived that moment all the time. And it just that's the game. That's the one game. Um, you know, there's a Phoenix game five. Mm-hmm. Roger Bell hits the corner. Yeah. Corner three when we're up at their place to go up three two and then go back to LA. That one hurt too, but that championship, that was the one. When men and women upgrade from their tattered, outdated, multi-pack underwear to Tommy John, the most comfortable on the planet, they have a lot to say about it. Like Scott, who's happy his double agents are no longer going rogue, or Melissa, whose Tommy Johns are so light and comfortable. She worries she'll forget to pull them down when she goes to the bathroom. Point is, men and women all across America are crazy about Tommy John. Both Tommy John, men's and women's underwear, sport a no-wedgie guarantee, comfortable stay-put waistbands, and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft and designed to move with you. Plus, Tommy John has dress shirts and undershirts that always stay tucked, ridiculously soft loungewear, and go anywhere apparel that's versatile enough to go from boardroom to boxing class. And for ladies, the new air collection is made from quick-drying antimicrobial fabric with seamless bonded edges that offer a no-visible panty line guarantee. Tommy John is so sure you're going to love the fit and feel that's all backed by their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Woj right now and get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash Woj for 20% off Tommy John, no adjustment needed. You're part of a, an incredible fraternity of Duke players who were high picks and went and had great careers in the NBA, who were all Americans, National Player of the Year in college. Most of that group's won a national title, right? Your group, I mean, you came as close as you can come, but when you go back there, you don't have that banner, right? You think about it, when you walk back, you look up, you go, that's not. None of those banners are mine. Oh, it hurts. It hurts. You know, and Shane Battier was my roommate. Didn't play much when I was a sophomore. We were both sophomores. And, you know, his senior year, he got one. Right. And deservingly so. He was amazing offensively and defensively for that team. if you really wanted one, you could have stayed and got one. I mean, if that's what you really wanted, you would have probably stayed and gotten two. And and that's what it felt like after the game. And then I came to my senses. Snapped out of it. Yeah, and said, hey. Kay's not talking to me (laughs) in that one again. (laughs) True story. But afterwards, it's like – they're asking, are you leaving? And I'm just, I truly felt like, no, I need to come back yeah. and, and get this one. Um, 
but no, it, it definitely hurts going back and seeing those banners. And it's like, you didn't put one up there for, for Kay and that organization and, and our program. Almost none of that exists anymore in this basketball world. And most people say good, like guys should be out and earning as fast as they can. There's not really any value to it. It's always a trade-off. Is there something lost in this world when and one and done's going to be gone one way or another by 2022? I think players will not have to go again. Is it just simply a matter of personal choice, or does something going to get lost along the way to not have the experiences you're talking about on that basketball journey to figuring out how to play, how to be a pro, all the things that go with it? How to be a pro, how to play, but also how to be a man, how to be a leader. You know, coming under Coach K and his tutelage, his leadership, it really changed my life. Like I said, single-parent mom, she's still making my bed. She's still making me breakfast every morning before I went to college and had a true college experience. Like, there, we couldn't have a car freshman year. We stayed at the dorms. Yeah, we had air conditioning, but we stayed at the dorms. Like, I went to other places, and they had their whole alma mater lodges. It's yeah. like chefs and you stay right across from the facility like that was semi-pro that was actually better than the g league is at this time it was it was professional just preparing you for the nba but duke and you know some institutions and universities will prepare you for life so yeah you'll get the money but what would you do as you grow older and with the money and with the responsibility that comes with that so going to college even though albeit it was two years i was much more prepared than if i went right out of high school or one and done l in the eastern conference playoffs this year when you think of what's at stake and the ramifications of who's going to win and who loses and then what happens to the teams who might get knocked out in the conference semis or what might happen if you win in advance and what it means in free agency and what the trajectory of the league's going to look like i can't remember a year quite like this one where there feels like there's as much at stake as what you and Boston, Toronto, you know, obviously Milwaukee, Indiana. We never talk about them, but they don't. They're not going. They haven't gone away yet. They, those teams. It's going to be a lot of shakeup. Superstars leaving, you know, um, changes throughout organizations because everyone's primed. I made a, you know, when we got Tobias, another executive from an Eastern Conference team, not winning team, said, "Man, you started." an arms race. <laughs> he said, I'm just trying to load up for next summer, but you set it off. Cause now you see teams are getting better. Teams are trading picks. Teams are trying to improve for the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot of shakeup. I don't want to mention where and why and how, but yep. you know, there's going to be a lot of shakeup and it's, it's an important playoff series. All right. Elton, people are pulling at you. You've got other meetings to get to before game time tonight, but uh, I appreciate you taking time out as always. No, it was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, Philadelphia 76ers General Manager Elton Brand. Remember, you can listen to new and archived episodes of the Woj Pod on ApplePodcastRadio.com or wherever else you get your programs. And, of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, Metro by T-Mobile, Wix.com, Roman.com, and Tommy John. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time. 